welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Good morning. Good morning. Good to uh, good to be together this morning as we come to God's Word. Such a such a privilege to be able to uh, uh, meet together. Well, I decided that it uh, would be good for us to, uh, instead of having a separate uh, memorial service for uh, for Mom Apple, to and just incorporate it into our into our regular uh, worship this morning. And so it uh, gives us an opportunity to praise the Lord for the homegoing of uh, one of the Lord's children, and for uh, for Pat Apple, for a for for a, a wife and a mother, a grandmother and a great grandmother, and for a sister in the Lord and, uh, and, and a good friend to many who uh, would watch uh, the video from from back in the states. And uh, she loved her church there in, in North Carolina and uh, loved the Lord. And as you've heard already, the testimony of her, uh, uh, just her, her love for the Word of God, for, uh, for the people of God, and such a testimony of that, of that reality. It's a, a reminder uh, this, is this week of how fragile life is. Um, uh, uh, Mom Apple uh, he- health had been bad. I mean, she was she'd had several strokes, and um, but uh, overall her health was quite good. And especially on that morning this week, uh, she was doing very well. And so it came quite a as quite a shock to us. And so it's left us with uh, you know. A, feeling of sadness and emptiness for that separation. But it's also a grace of God, and uh, we can rejoice in, um, in the fact that the Lord has taken her home, and, and she was able to be here for, that, uh, for these three months, and um, the Lord has blessed her and uh, took her home before she became completely bedridden or unable to, uh, to really you know, know, know uh, who we were or where she was at. And so we... We see that all is, uh, is God's grace, and we can rejoice in the, the reality that um, although this is a, uh, a separation, it's a temporary separation. You know, over the years, we've said uh, many goodbyes uh, living here, <clears throat> and uh, we would uh, know that those separations were temporary. We'd see each other again, and that's the way we see this separation also as a is a temporary separation. We, we have the, the confidence that we will uh, be together again. And that is, the, that is the steadfast hope that we have in the Lord. And uh, it is a, a confidence that we have because of His Word. In the book of Revelation, chapter 14, about uh, mid, midway through the, uh, the tribulation period there, John hears this uh, voice and from heaven, as he's given this vision, it says, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds 
follow them. And that certainly, I believe, is applicable <coughs> to us today as we think about those that have died in the Lord. And uh, we can have that confidence uh, this morning. Uh, Pat's uh, brother-in-law, Paul, uh, had been uh, very sick, poor health for some time. And, and just after Mom Apple's passing, uh, Sharon got a text from family back there in the States that uh, Paul had, had also passed away that morning. And, and so Sharon imagined that um, her dad is welcoming her, his brother into heaven. And while they're still greeting, Pat shows up. And so we can imagine that that must have been quite the, quite the reunion and the rejoicing there together in heaven. And, uh, and so this is the, the confidence that we as believers can have. It's, it's not a confidence in ourself and uh, what we have done or our, our ability, but a confidence in the word of the Lord, a confidence in him and his faithfulness to do all that he has promised to do. You know, there's many people today who do not have that kind of confidence, especially as it relates to uh, death. And for many, it's just a, a fear and an uncertainty and unknown. Uh, some people think that we're like the animals, that uh, when you die, that's just the end. There's nothing more. And then there's others who've, uh, who've adopted some kind of Eastern mystic idea of uh, reincarnation or the, the circle of life or some, some such notion. But the scripture is clear that we are eternal beings and that when we die, we, uh, we leave this body, but we exist eternally, either with the Lord or separated from him in judgment. And 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8 says, yes, this is, this is uh, Paul's own testimony. He says, yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And so this is the expectation that we have in Christ. The scriptures also teach us that when the Lord returns, there will be a resurrection of the body. And for some, <coughs> see this, <coughs> excuse me, see this resurrection as a, a general resurrection. But I believe, the, uh, I believe there's sufficient evidence in the scripture that uh, this resurrection is, is referring to the coming of the Lord seven years before his second coming, uh, before the, the tribulation period here upon the earth. And that... <coughs> At that time, the Lord is going to, to, to resurrect those bodies of the saints who are already with him. And, it, and the scripture says that we will also, those of us that are living, who belong to the Lord, will also be taken up, be, be called away, be raptured up together with them to be with the Lord. And uh, <clears throat> this is the, the confidence that we have uh, Regardless of the exact timing, there's different opinions about that, but one thing is certain, the, the scripture is clear that, that this body is going to be resurrected. And when the Lord returns, he's going to 
to uh, resurrect these bodies. And so I would like for us to, this morning, think on that topic a bit from 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. <coughs> this is a long chapter that deals with this topic of resurrection. <coughs> you, if you know anything about the, the letters to the Corinthians, you realize that Paul is writing to this young church that he had started, and they are <coughs> uh, having various problems, and Paul's writing to deal with some of the problems that they have, some of the things that he's heard about, some questions that they have, issues that need to be corrected. And uh, we see here in, in chapter 15 that one of those uh, problems is they're related to the resurrection. Evidently, they, uh, they, they had a, an idea that uh, uh, the resurrection meant a, a, a reconstruction of the body. Or uh, maybe, they're, uh, uh, maybe they're thinking that... Uh, you know, they're asking these questions sarcastically that, uh, uh, you know, that they didn't really believe that the, the resurrection would uh, take place at all. But as we look through this chapter, we realize that Paul is addressing those questions. And he is, uh, he's reminding them in the beginning of the chapter there that uh, uh, he had brought to them the gospel, this message of the death burial and resurrection of Christ, and that there were many witnesses to this resurrection, and that uh, <clears throat> it wasn't just the message that uh, he had uh, preached to them, but that all, but the other apostles as well had preached the same message, this message of the gospel. And, uh, and so we have, uh, and so Paul is reminding them of the things that he had taught, and he says that in which you also believed, they had had, had believed this message of the gospel. And so he's arguing here for this reality of the resurrection. Notice in chapter 15 from verse 12, he says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say uh, that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain and your faith is vain. <coughs> and so he's trying to reason with them, help them to understand that uh, if they believe in Christ's resurrection, then they must also believe in our resurrection. Because our resurrection is based <coughs> upon the reality of his resurrection. Well, Paul is going to continue in the next verses to show that <coughs> Christ is victorious and that he will put every enemy under his feet. And that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And we see that Paul is going to continue on. And you get to verse 35. He's going to, to answer a question that uh, he poses that's been no doubt been raised. And that is, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? And so... Some people in Corinth then must have been posing these kind of questions. And the, Paul, he answers kind of his own question rather bluntly because maybe some had asked this sarcastically in doubt. He says, 
in effect, don't be foolish. And he says the resurrection body is a completely different kind of body. It's, uh, it's connected to the, to the old body, but it's altogether different. And he's going to show us in these verses the nature of this body, this resurrection body. Notice with me uh, from verse 35. He's going to uh, use an illustration that they would be familiar with, and that is of planting a seed. Uh, verse 35 says, But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that it is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. And so he's <coughs> using this illustration of, of, of seeds that you would plant in the ground. And he's going to use that analogy to talk about the body and the resurrected body and how that they are connected, but they're, they're not the same. They are different. And he'll, he'll also remind them of the different kinds of, of bodies that the, the Lord has, has created. Notice, uh, as we continue there in verse 39, he says, For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and a, another glory of the stars, and for stars differ from stars in glory. And so it is with the resurrection of the body. And so he's, he's, going, he's showing that... Uh, they should not be surprised by the fact that uh, this resurrection body is going to be of, of a different nature completely from the body that they now have and know about. Because God has already demonstrated His ability to create different um, bodies, so to speak, for their purpose. And this resurrection body is going to be of such that it is prepared to be in the presence of the Lord. Notice also from verse 42, he's going to show some contrast between the nature of the earthly body and the nature of the, of the resurrection body. Verse 42, he says, So it is with the resurrection of the body, what is sown perishable, <coughs> sorry, what is raised imperishable. And so first of all, he he simply describes this uh, earthly body that we know about as being perishable. And that is certainly a, a reality that we're aware of, isn't it? It just uh, wears down, it wears out, it perishes. Uh, but the nature of this resurrection body is just the opposite. And it's hard for us to comprehend, isn't it? An imperishable body. He says in verse 43, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. 
It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And so this, this body that we have been given now is, was created for life here on earth. But the body that we'll have in the resurrection is created to be in the presence of the Lord forever. It is a spiritual body, a body that has been given by the power of God. It is spiritual in nature, although very much a a real body. Paul is going to continue, and he's going to contrast what we have in Adam the first Adam, and what we will have in the last Adam, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And so he's going to explain that from our birth, we bear the image of this first man coming from Adam. And in the resurrection, we're going to bear the image of the second uh, or the last man, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a this is an analogy that he had he had already talked about previous in the first part of chapter 15, when he's uh, talking about the resurrection. But here he comes back to this theme again. Let's let's read there from verse 45. He says, "Thus it is written: the first man Adam became a living being; the last Adam, speaking of of Jesus Christ, became a life-giving spirit." But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. And as was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. That is our expectation that we have in Christ. And it is a glorious truth that the Lord has revealed to us concerning our existence with Him eternally. And it is, our, <clears throat> it is something that, uh, that, that gives us uh, courage. It gives us motivation. And in time of sorrow of death, we can also rejoice, can't we? We can also know that our loved ones are with the Lord, and one day uh, they will have a resurrected, glorious body uh, in the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wrote in Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21, he says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things unto Himself. Well, if you continue in this chapter from verse 50, you see that there is really a necessity for a resurrected body. We could say, you can't go as you are. (laughs) It's like the family who's going out for a special uh, event, and one of the children, you know, come down from their room, and uh, 
And the mother looks at him and says, you can't go dressed like that. <laughs> you know, go back and change. Well, we can't go as we are. We, <clears throat> these bodies will not exist in the presence of the Lord in His glory. And we need a body that um, is fitted for His presence to be with Him. And that's the kind of body that the Lord has planned for us. Notice what he says in, in verse 50. He says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. And so we see that we, we will be changed. These, these bodies will be changed. And, and, and if the Lord comes today, those of us that know Him as our Lord and Savior, we, are, we will be immediately changed. Our bodies will be changed immediately into this glorified body. Uh, and we will be translated uh, without death into the presence of the Lord, much like uh, uh, you know, Elijah was, remember, who was caught up in the chariot of fire. And we, we had talked about that earlier in a few weeks back. But uh, this, is, uh, this is what he's referring to. Notice with me from verse 51. He describes uh, this reality. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. A mystery was something that had previously been uh, revealed, but as now in the New Testament, and especially with the, uh, the advent of the coming of Christ and the establishment of the church, many truths that uh, were only in seed form in the Old Testament, uh, not understood, is now being revealed. He says, uh, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, uh, referring to death, but we, we, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. He's describing what 1 Thessalonians 4 talks about. And that is when the Lord comes, He's going to, to, to resurrect the, the believing dead, those that have died in Christ, but that those of us that are alive at the time of the Lord's coming are going to be immediately changed, translated into our glorified bodies to be with the Lord. And that is, a, that is a glorious truth, isn't it? That, uh, that we <clears throat> wait is something that Paul uh, longed for. Something that he wanted as the first, uh, first desire. That he would uh, not be without a body. That, that he would be uh, alive when the Lord came back. Well, we know that didn't happen. It's been almost 2,000 years since, uh, um, since Paul died. And he's with the Lord. But... Uh, he would have liked to have been living when the Lord came. And it might be that uh, we uh, that are here this morning that know the Savior will, uh, will be part of that, uh, that, <clears throat> that home going when the Lord comes because uh, we are told to live with the expectation that it could be today. It could be at any moment that the Lord will come and take us uh, to be with Him. Well, <clears throat> I want you to... I want you to also see 
that uh, there is a victory that's described here. It's the victory that's in Christ. It's a victory that's already been won. And it will be carried out into fruition. And triumph over death will be realized in Christ. It is a victory over spiritual death uh, that is a result of sin. Because of, of, of Adam's sin, sin there in the garden in the beginning, death came. Both physical and spiritual death came upon every, every person that would, uh, would be born into this world. And it passed to us all. But because of the Lord Jesus Christ and His um, death on the cross, the payment, <clears throat> satisfaction of God's righteous uh, requirements, uh, his, <clears throat> his substitutionary death, we can have life. We can, we can be <clears throat> this condemnation that can be taken away. And we can have this victory that he's talking about in these verses. Notice with me in verse 54 and following. It says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> you can hear Paul in those words. In those words, he's he's rejoicing in what the Lord has uh, has accomplished and what He's going to do. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, and one of those. Uh, quotes there he makes from the Old Testament is from Isaiah 25 and verse 8 which says he will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away uh, tears from all faces the rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken he's, he's describing the reality here that when he talks about the sting of death he's <clears throat> He's talking about the judgment uh, upon us because of our sin uh, as, as the sting of death. And it's and this, uh, this judgment, it's the separation from God. And the Lord has removed that, that reality in Christ. Romans 5 and verse 12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. And he's just simply stating the fact that we are all sinners born, come into this world, uh, and inherited from Adam and put to us, to our account from Adam, this inheritance of sin. But he continues in that same passage with the good news from verse 20, Romans 5.20, Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness 
leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So that though we were condemned in Adam, we have life in Christ. We have forgiveness in Christ. For those of us who have put our, our faith and trust in Him, and relying upon His finished work upon the cross, we can have the forgiveness of sins. And we know what it means to be forgiven. And we can be with the Lord. And even in death, uh, we have victory. Because Christ has won the victory for us. Amen. And we sing one of the, the old hymns, Victory in Jesus. And I, I put down the first verse here. It says, I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory. How He gave His life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about His groaning and His precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sin and won the victory. And the victory is won in Christ. It's not by what we've done, but by what Christ has done. And the chorus says, O victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and He bought me with His redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew Him, and all my love is due Him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Well, those of us that know the Lord is our Savior, Paul will, will conclude this long chapter on the resurrection by saying, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And he causes us to, to lift up our, our eyes, to look into the Savior with the expectation of His coming, and to be busy serving Him and living for Him, knowing that uh, it matters what we do here and now. Because the Lord is going to come and He's going to take us to be with Him. And our labor is not for naught. It's not uh, in vain. You remember in the Song of Solomon, Solomon writes about everything in this world is vanity. Vanity of vanity. In other words, everything under the sun is a vanity. And he's, he's talking about everything apart from the Lord. Everything that we, we try to achieve on our own. Everything that uh, we... The world holds as, as dear, and everything that the world thinks is wonderful. So, Solomon writes, it's all, it's all vanity. And he's coming to the end of that letter, the end of that uh, book, and he, and he tells us the whole duty of man is to, to, to love God and to serve Him and to obey His commandments. And here... Paul tells us that those of us that are in Christ, we know that it's, it's not vain to be busy for the Lord. And he's dealt with that theme in this chapter uh, quite a bit. He actually starts out that way when he, when he tells, talks to them about the fact that they had put their faith and trust in Christ. And, uh, and he says, uh, I preach to, to you, talks about the gospel, I preach to you which you received and which you stand and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. And he's going to come on to that theme several times, talking about uh, 
being in vain. In other words, what he's, what he's getting at is if Christ didn't ri- raise from the dead, it's all in vain. You know, there is not going to be a resurrection. There's not going to be any heaven without Christ. But it's not in vain because Christ did rise and we will be risen to be with him eternally forever with the Lord. What a great truth that is. And so he admonishes us this morning. And I wonder if there's some here this morning that you do not have that certainty that if you died today that you would be with the Lord. You don't have that confidence in Christ. Uh, I, I would admonish you to turn your heart to the Lord and earnestly seek Him. We, we don't have a, a promise, although we, we may be young, may be healthy. We don't have a, a promise of tomorrow. These bodies are perishable. They're, they're weak. They're mortal. Um, he, one of the contrasts that Paul makes here in this passage is the, the difference between the mortal bodies, the the bodies that are subject to death, and the immortal bodies that we'll have in the resurrection. But these, these bodies are mortal. They're fleeting. And we're all one heartbeat away from eternity in reality. And so it behooves us to make sure that, um, that we're right with the Lord that we know that we belong to Him, we put our faith and trust in Him, and we can live in the peace and joy and the confidence that God intends for us as His children, that uh, we don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid of, of what might happen tomorrow because we belong to the Lord. Let me close this morning with uh, Christ's own words concerning the will of the Father. He says in John 6:40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Amen. Thank you, Father, for this truth. Thank you, Father, for your plan for us, for your grace and mercy that's extended to us. And you sent out the the invitation to whosoever will may come and take of the life freely. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who's opened the way for us to to be able to have a relationship with you, to know you. We thank you, Father, that we can have confidence even in death, in the death of our loved ones, that they are with you in the Lord because they know Christ, they're in Christ, and the Christ will raise up their bodies when he comes back and give glorified bodies that will be with you eternally. We thank you, Lord, for that truth. We thank you for that confidence that we can have because of who you are and what you have done for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.